is Generation Justice, a multiracial project that trains youth to harness the power of community through media, narrative, and critical consciousness. I'm Barbara Ramirez. We want to remind you that this program is being broadcast on stolen indigenous land. Tonight, we bring you the Operation Legend Town Hall. This town hall features a discussion on Operation Legend, the federal law enforcement operation now present in Albuquerque and nine other cities across the US, which was instituted by the Trump administration. Panelists include the president and CEO of the KWH Law Center for Social Justice and Change, Pamela Herndon. State Representative Mo Maestas of Albuquerque's District 16. Tori Jacobus, the Managing Assistant City Attorney and Head of Albuquerque's Office of Civil Rights. And Jim Harvey, the Executive Director of the Albuquerque Center for Peace and Justice. This panel originally aired online on July 29th of 2020. The discussion is moderated by community organizer and equity consultant, Devonta Watson. Enjoy this three-part panel discussion. On the call, we have uh, Representative uh, Attorney Pamela Herndon, Mo Maestas. We have, we have Attorney Tori Jacobus and Executive Director Jim Harvey joining us here to discuss Operation Legend. So question number one is, what is the role of Operation Legend and is this a common practice even of the executive branch? Uh, we could start um, with Ms. Pamela Herndon. So thank you, Devante, for that question. So the basic role of Operation Legend is really to try to help put an end or to curb uh, federal crimes within cities across the country. And so if we are trying to determine how is that affecting the citizens of the of city of Albuquerque and maybe looking throughout the state, then we, if we looked at crime statistics, we would find things that overall the crime rate in Albuquerque is, is a little bit higher than in other uh, areas. But the question is, is it so difficult that we have to have federal enforcement coming into our city to assist with what we already recognize as a, as a very um, able police force uh, around our city and around our state. So those are the, that's the focus of it. It's constitutional crimes and federal crimes is what, uh, is what Operation Legend should be looking at. But we're gonna be keeping a strong eye as an advocacy organization on exactly what they're doing. Thank you. And let's go to Representative Maestas. The federal government has a heavy, heavy presence in New Mexico for several reasons. Uh, we're a border state. Um, we have a lot of military installations and we have a lot of uh, Indian country. So the federal prosecutor prosecutes crimes that occur on Indian country. Uh, if it involves Native Americans, uh, if you get a DWI on base, you go to federal court uh, and things of that nature. So federal agent, agents work with local law enforcement all the time, particularly on the the war on drugs, a certain task force to take down uh, particular gang activity or heavy criminal activity. There was a great uh, task force that took down a lot of criminals and drug dealers in Las Vegas, New Mexico about a year or 18 months ago, which was fantastic. So I don't think anybody could argue with that. Although, as you articulated, a lot of these, a lot of these initiatives end up, uh, you know, violating people's rights and, and, and not, you know, dealing with the crime itself, but just dealing with arrests and stats and things of that nature. I don't think anybody disagrees that, you know, a couple, three dozen federal agents coming to town helping the locals, but what people are very leery of is what happened in Portland, uh, violating due process and constitutional rights of uh, protesters. Uh, people are very leery about the reach of the federal government going after undocumented immigrants, uh, detaining them, arresting them, things of that nature. Um, and then also folks in the back of their mind are thinking about the elections, you know, if the uh, political winds keep going the way they are, uh, you know, November 3rd, there'll be, a, there'll be an election and then there'll be another 80 days after that till there's a transfer of power. Uh, no one's going to put it past uh, the current administration to do everything in its power to discredit the election uh, results and, um, and have federal agents on the ground. So I know those seem like extreme concerns, but 
you have to consider all of these things when dealing with this administration because it's just a slow drip, which is very difficult to explain to folks unless you're steeped in, in a political science and you're just been a political junkie for decades that Trump administration normalizes crazy. What he did today is crazier than what he did last year, but it doesn't seem crazy because he does eight, 10 crazy things a day. And so, so we just have to, uh, you know, hold these folks accountable, make sure that the police have proper identification and that folks know what to do uh, if and when um, due process is violated. Absolutely. Thank you so much, uh, Ms. Jacobis. Thank you, Mr. Watson. Um, I believe that Representative Maestas and Ms. Herndon have provided very clear um, definitions of what Operation Legend is. And I'd like to just add that the city of Albuquerque welcomes crime-fighting partnerships. That's not something that we are opposed to. However, we will not um, sell out our city for a bait and switch excuse to send federal agents. That's our concern right now, that this is a political strategy by the executive branch and by the president that is, instead of crime fighting, is going to turn into an opportunity to incite violence on our immigrant community and our people of color. So we do not support that. And again, we're doing everything we can to prevent that and to stand together as a community against that. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And Mr. Harvey, and I want to kind of change the question now uh, so that we're not redundant is um, the question was, is this a common practice? And as we've seen uh, in these operations in other cities, there are a great deal of uh, rights that are being infringed upon uh, during the uh, exercising the right to protest. What are the main concerns as of right now from the community activism uh, you know, in response to this? Well, thanks for that question. And uh, my response is that, uh, no, this is not a common practice, first and foremost, um, unless you are reliving the late 1930s in either uh, Italy or Germany, where you had political despots that would uh, deploy their secret police to uh, wreak havoc and terror on uh, the citizenry, and that's what's happening here. Uh, it's very clear that it's politically motivated. It's very clear that it's all designed to create uh, photo ops, as, as Tori alluded to, uh, for uh, this United States president as he limps along to uh, his reelection campaign. Um, what it does for the community, however, is the presence of these stormtroopers, as I tend to call them, I prefer to call them, uh, is that it heightens anxiety, it stokes fears, it, it creates all kinds of kinds of insecurities for people in our communities around Albuquerque, and above all, it violates our sovereignty as a city, and it should not be allowed. So the organizations that are coming together, you know, are here to say that we want to say no. We want to say no to their arrival. We want to say no to any actions that they may engage in, uh, any encounters that they may uh, try to have to uh, provoke uh, any anger or heightened anxiety among uh, people who are out here. We're out here demonstrating right now because we're fighting against institutional racism and we don't need anyone to come along and try to get in the way of that. We've been engaged in peaceful protesting for weeks here. We intend to continue to do that. Uh, and these, these federal thugs that are coming to town cannot, should not be allowed to get in the way and create an untenable situation like we've seen in, in Portland, for example. They're the provocateurs and we don't need that kind of disturbance in Albuquerque. Absolutely. Uh, Everyone's asking, why Albuquerque? Why has Albuquerque been included on Operation Legend? Are there trends with other cities that are, uh, have the same operation like Portland, uh, like New York, uh, like Chicago? Uh, is, are there similarities? And if so, what are they? Uh, let's start again with Ms. Pamela. So we, we don't want to color uh, the picture that everything is absolutely rosy in our city. We do have a wonderful and amazingly great city with an incredible administration. But one of the things that I will just say, being 
perfectly transparent here in terms of looking at the, at the statistics in our city. With respect to the question that you asked, the statistics are showing that two out of every 100,000 people that are in our city, and the number is somewhere around 560,000, if not more, that about 23.93% um, about daily crimes occur in Albuquerque, which makes the city, based upon those types of the statistics, uh, show that Albuquerque is only safer than maybe only 1% of the cities in the United States. But the bigger issue here that we're looking at is did we call for assistance or on anything that is happening? And there was no call from the, from the city, from the county, or from the state, because our, the people who are making the policies and who are making the decisions uh, have control over what is happening and what is going on. And I just wanna point out one thing to you, Devante, that if we looked at, if we absolutely look at what happened in Portland, 41 of those arrests were done uh, for people who uh, failed to comply with a lawful order. Now, we don't need federal officers to come in to say that you failed to comply with the lawful order of a police in order to bring that type of uh, force within our city. So I just wanted to bring that to you and to your attention. And again, as an advocate for social justice, for the people within our city and in our counties and in our state, we're looking at what absolutely are these individuals coming into this city and what are they doing? Because we will be closely examining and watching their every step as, they, as we think they will probably be trying to do to us. Thank you. And with that, I mean, what is uh, what law exactly are they enforcing? Is it local law? Is it federal law? Exactly what is their jurisdiction uh, as a follow-up question to you, um, Ms. Pamela. So the, the laws that they would be enforcing are federal laws, federal crimes. Most likely the focus has alleged to be focusing on federal gun laws and violation of federal gun laws. Uh, human trafficking is one of the areas in which uh, there would be uh, a focus on that Ill, those illegal gun cases. And uh, so that one of the things that we want to do, again, is that we, we look at those federal laws that are specified and that are enforced through our federal government and through a constitutional provision is where their only focus should be. It should not be upon uh, on state and local laws, because when we look at the Constitution itself, it divides things that are remaining and forced and in the hands of the federal government, everything else is left in the hands of the states. So only those items that pertain to federal aspects of crime and intervention is what they should be looking at. Thank you. Uh, and I'll open this question up to the entire panel. What do we do when we see federal troops? Are there certain things that we should be watching for? Uh, excuse me, the federal agents. Uh, should we be watchful and what should we be looking for uh, when we encounter these officers? Uh, we could start with uh, you, Attorney Jacobus. So I actually find that to be a challenging question to ask because the federal agents, excuse me, the U.S. government has not yet let us know what the true purpose for these agents being here is. Once we know that true pur purpose, the primary thing that we need to be watchful for is are they indeed executing that purpose? So for example, if we understand that they are here to assist with violent crime, as Ms. Herndon just stated, but we actually observe them uh, interfering with our right to protest, our peaceful protest, um, our peaceful gatherings, that's a problem. And those types of actions need to be reported to, um, to local law enforcement, to um, the US Attorney's Office, to the ACLU, and um, many other community organizations, because again, we are working together to respond to the potential unlawful presence and unlawful action of the federal agents. Thank you. Uh, Representative Maestas? No, thank you, Mr. Watson. No, it's, a, it's the same sentiments. It's, I'm just trying to think what, when you would encounter these officers. They're not gonna pull you over, you know, things of that nature. We don't know exactly what they're up to. And the scary part is that in getting back to the previous question, there was a, an initiative by the federal government in, in December and then kind of COVID put the clamps on it. This is kind of a, the part two of that uh, police operation. 
that allegedly is going to spend $71 million on these seven cities. That's, you know, $10 million a, a city. I don't know if that dollar has been spent or if, or if we know where that money has been spent, but in the press release by Sheriff Gonzalez on July 21st, I believe the day he met with the president, talks about, you know, hiring new officers, overtime pay, but also says finance federally deputized task force officers. That's, that's the crux. It's, um, you know, if there's marches uh, to enforce the electorate uh, come November 3rd, 4th, 5th, and we see, uh, you know, fully camouflaged people on the sidewalks messing with people, that's pretty intense right there. That's a pretty scary thing. But essentially, the searcher rights, you have a Fifth Amendment right uh, to remain silent. You have a Fourth Amendment right against search and seizure. Obviously, if due process is violated, uh, they'll seize you anyway. But um, you'd be polite, respectful. Uh, you know, like there was this poor woman, I forgot in what city, that was waving flowers in this officer's face and, and it, the flowers touched him and he used that as an opportunity to slam her down and arrest her. Just, you know, you don't even need to be teasing or disrespecting, but definitely, um, definitely assert yourself, you know, don't isolate yourself and, uh, and hopefully uh, they will not be messing with our immigrant community. Absolutely, thank you. And uh, did any other panelists have anything to add? We're deeply concerned because we know that these um, federal so-called law enforcement agents, you know, will be here. And if they have no reason to be here at all, they'll resort to the same types of actions that we've seen in Portland. They will provoke as much as they possibly can to try and give them an excuse for, again, stoking fear, instilling fear, and doing harm to our citizenry. So. Um, I'm, I'm a big advocate of, of letting them come to town uh, and find the ghost town. Let's, you know, we don't want to encounter them. We don't want to engage them. We don't want to have any conversations with them. But if we do, take pictures, keep your cell phones handy, record as much as you possibly can. And then as Ms. Jacobus said, you know, notify the appropriate authorities uh, to make certain that every, everything is covered, everyone is covered, every right is addressed, and uh, due process can, can take its place in, in, in what's happening. You're listening to Generation Justice. Tonight, we share a panel discussion on Operation Legend with the president and CEO of the KWH Law Center for Social Justice and Change, Pamela Herndon, State Representative Mo Maestas, Tori Jacobus, the Managing Assistant City Attorney and Head of Albuquerque's Office of Civil Rights, and Jim Harvey, the Executive Director of the Albuquerque Center for Peace and Justice. The panel is moderated by community organizer and equity consultant, Devonta Watson. Let's get back to the discussion. Uh, one of the questions that has come in and we'll go ahead and start to open up to questions is, uh, are there going to even be resources on the ground at the protests uh, that we are aware of? Have we seen them such as attorneys to monitor these events? And if so, what are the resources out there? Number uh, one being, um, sent by uh, Mr. Leon Howard, who is at the ACLU. He recommends to get the ACLU mobile app where you can uh, record uh, something or an incident and it is sent immediately to the ACLU so that there's no possibility or risk of it being deleted uh, by somebody there at a protest or by an officer. Uh, are there any resources um, such as that that maybe we could share and also uh, legal resources uh, in these circumstances? One of the things that happens with each and every one of the protests that goes on right now is there are legal observers that are out watching and you know that they're there. They have on green jackets. They are taking notes. They are watching what's happening. So they're keeping a, a vigil on what is especially happening with respect to the protesters, that they are being treated with the due respect that they deserve. And looking at another regard, um, I, I still want to bring to the attention that there was brought uh, to the attention of the entire United States that what the, um, that the president of our country wanted to do was to 
prohibit uh, immigrants from being counted within our census. And I go back to that over and over again, because the amount of money that comes to our states from being counted in the census is incredibly important. And so that, that, that statement was made and uh, even though the Supreme Court had determined that those kinds of um, separations could not be made, that every single person could be counted, should be counted, and would be counted, and that there would not be any question, for example, on the census regarding citizenship. But, but yet again, there seems to be in a roundabout way trying to, to get around what the Supreme Court has said. So in answering your specific question regarding resources, there are an army of attorneys who are waiting and ready and working within our city and within our state that if people are, are detained or, or they are stopped, that we do have these attorneys that are working. So what we'll have to do, uh, Devante, after, after this uh, particular uh, conversation is over is to post how do you get in contact with them because we want to keep our people safe in the manner in which they can expect to do so. And I think that Jim was gonna comment some more and I, and thank you. Jim? To my knowledge, uh, much of the leadership connected with protests that are planned going forward, you know, have been doing everything they can to educate people within their ranks so that people will know exactly what to do uh, should something like this happen. Mr. Um, Harvey and Attorney Herndon have shared um, all of the resources that I know of. Um, I just, I echo them in saying that there are many attorneys in the private sector who are watching and waiting. And again, those of us in the city attorney's office also are um, prepared to defend the rights of our community. Absolutely. Uh, Representative Mayestas, did you have anything else to add? Oh, yes, thank you. I mean, that's the, that's the trouble with with the mass protest, the, the um, law enforcement is one unit with a chain of command, they're one entity. The protest is, you know, hundreds of individuals, you know, in the midst of that crowd, which people act differently in crowds than they would individually. But I think we have some fantastic trained uh, community organizers here in Albuquerque, very conscientious elected officials. It just depends on who organized the protest and for what purpose, you know, gather here, march here, speeches and, and things of that nature, or if it's just a mass gathering, uh, Richard Winterbottom on Facebook asked about, is it wise to go to the courthouse? I would suggest that it's not. That just gives, right. it's like Pamela said, they're, they're looking for a reason. They're looking for a reason to, uh, to do what they do. And if you just have sustained discipline, nonviolent protest, it's more effective. Now that's very difficult to sustain and, and to achieve. Um, and then we're like a generation removed from the great civil rights protests of the 60s and 70s, but I think, uh, I think we're gonna need that. You know, if we have a city permit for three uh, traffic lanes, we stay in our three traffic lanes, and, and I know that's tough for folks, but we have to be disciplined. We have to be um, just very precise on what we do, because, uh, you know, there's gonna be provocateurs in the crowd. I'm convinced there's right-wing provocateurs in these crowds, uh, like the guy that was busted breaking all the windows and stuff. Turned out he was a uh, right wing just either individually or organized so it's it's going to be some tricky times and we just have to uh, be mature and not um and not make mistakes one question that just came in for Myrna rostoff is what protections are in place for citizens to prevent surveillance or detention or slash arrest is apd going to defend or protect us i certainly hope that apd understands that it is sworn to serve and protect the citizenry of the city of Albuquerque. Now, you know, that opens up uh, a, a room for lots of discussion because, I mean, that's one of the issues that we're struggling with right now. But as outsiders come into the city, you know, it raises that question, will APD be in a position to at least uh, create some sort of barrier between federal officers, if you want to call them that, uh, and, and protesters that they're trying to assault. Something has got to happen. And will APD play the appropriate role is a question. And, and certainly people that can answer that question far better than I can. But it is an important question that needs to be answered. Thank you. And I'll open it up, the same question to the panel. 
Um, yes, I agree with Mr. Harvey uh, that that is a very important question that we need answered. I'm going to circle back to what I said earlier on that we still are unaware of why these federal agents are coming into Albuquerque. However, I can say that the city attorney's office is working closely with APD and with Mayor Keller's administration to, um, to determine just how APD can work to support and um, protect our community in the case that the federal agents are here for um, unlawful purposes. I can't speak more on that right now because again, that's an evolving conversation, but do know that we are having those conversations right now because our goal is that either these federal agents are coming here to offer service that are consistent with our community values or the Keller administration is ready to stand strong against them and that includes APD support. You know, one of the things that we've learned with respect to these officers being out already is that they do not have training in urban policing, nor do they have training in crowd control. So in dealing with uh, regular events that we've seen occurring in Albuquerque, for example, over the past few months, which is peaceful protesting of the unlawful killing of uh, people like George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Tamir Rice and that entire, and, then, and the list goes on and on and on. But these people are not trained in how to be engaged with individuals who are participating in peaceful protesting. So we have to be, we have to be weary and careful of that. But we also have to be weary and careful of the authority that they do bring with them in terms of being able to detain people and being able to arrest people. So if that happens, we have got to be able to depend upon these law, these uh, attorneys and legal uh, people who are there to help, like the ACLU, like members of the Trial Lawyers Association, like other attorneys throughout the state and social justice uh, advocates who are there to stand and protect these individuals if indeed we are seeing these unlawful detentions and arrests occurring. Thank you, thank you. And Representative Maestas, did you have anything to add? Don't be isolated. If you get detained, make sure somebody else is aware of it. Uh, hopefully, even though it's a federal arrest, they're booked into the local jail and documented. Obviously, people can be detained for hours on end without being booked. Um, some people may need to be detained for two, eight, ten hours and then released. It's, it's, um, and it sounds crazy to talk like this, but this happened in a, in a major city uh, on live TV. So we just got to be, uh, we just got to play it cool. And uh, hopefully the, if there is protests and there is officers there, the, the leadership of APD and, and Bernal County speak with the leaders of the protest because um, that doesn't happen in these other cities. We're, we're here in New Mexico. We, 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 we know each other, whether we like it or not. We, we have to set an example for the nation, but definitely uh, if you're going to get arrested, if an officer put his hands on you, there is absolutely nothing you can do about that. Um, just get arrested and we'll fight it out at the, at the appropriate time and we will win. You know, Linda Souser, who is uh, a national activist, uh, kind of spoke along some of the same advice that you just shared, Representative. She says, one, to make sure your phone is charged. Don't go alone. Make sure somebody is aware of your whereabouts that's not at the protest uh, so that your whereabouts are tracked and monitored by your loved ones. And uh, even so far as to saying, you know, if there's a, a protest that, you know, you're participating on in Central and Girard and it makes its way over to Lomas and University, let somebody know where it is moved in case you come in contact in any, in any circumstance. It's also, again, uh, to record the interaction. Um, other cities have even uh, gone so far to recommend taking attorney's numbers and taking that with you to protest in case uh, there's an incident that happens. Um, before we go to the next question, we'll go to Mr. Jacobitz. I want to add on to what you just said. In addition to taking the numbers with you, do your best to memorize them or write them on your person. You know, write on yourself with Sharpie or other, um, some type of ink, write on yourself in case your belongings are taken from you so that you are still able to make those calls to attorneys. That is a great point. Thank you. So, is, so you're saying that sometimes objects are confiscated or don't make, and you can't access them and to write it on your, write, write it on your arm in permanent marker. Absolutely. Uh, one question that we just had that came in, are the federal agents here that we know of? 
see, we don't know. We honestly don't know. And so hopefully our, our we have a five member county commission. Hopefully they uh, do what they can to ensure that the sheriff's office communicates with them, that there's full transparency. I don't think, you know, having, like I said, having two dozen officers or three dozen officers backing up local police in and of itself is not a bad thing. It's, it's going to be the build -up. You know, if there's three dozen officers creeping into town every week between now and November or now and January 20, and then the scary thing is these these deputized deputized agents that nobody knows anything about. Um, we just have to uh, ensure that uh, that the county commission, the city government, and the U.S. attorney uh, stay in contact, and that and that the U.S. attorney fulfills his duties in terms of ensuring that there's full transparency and that these that any of these officers are named and their agency is is publicly displayed. Can can I just add to that too? I think it's really important. Uh, to know that um, for some years now, there has been uh, a federal uh, law enforcement presence here in Albuquerque. Many people don't know that, but they've been here and they brought resources uh, to Albuquerque over the years. Um, we may not see them uh, very often, but they are in fact here. Uh, the, the other thing is that I want to offer a word of caution when it comes to the county and particularly our uh, esteemed county uh, sheriff, um, Manny Gonzalez. Manny Gonzalez is the one who went to Washington DC and, and asked for and encouraged uh, this federal encroachment that we're about to experience here. So uh, I don't see him as a friend of our community. I see him as a, a problem, you know, one who goes back to refusing to have his offices even wear body cameras, uh, even though the money's been allocated. So we've got these kinds of internal issues that also make things very difficult and tenuous for us uh, and for our safety here. We need to be aware of all these things going in so that we don't find ourselves expecting help from unlikely sources. You know, one of the things that I wanna be aware of, Devante, is that we have a, a governor's order for this state that people who are coming in from places like California, people like Florida, we don't know where these officers are coming from. That's right. That they're being, uh, that they have to uh, make sure that they are away for 14 days and that they come that, in. That is the governor's order. That's exactly right. And so those types of things we should be known because they could be exposing people uh, if they are not absolutely carrying out the terms and conditions of the governor's order. That is a great Good point. point. That's a Good point. point. Welcome back to Generation Justice, where tonight we take a listen to the Operation Legend Town Hall. Let's rejoin the discussion. One uh, other question is, how will we hold APD accountable and prohibit any and all collaboration with federal agencies, with ICE, with DHS, with these mercenaries <laughs> uh, in our government that, have, that they have put out in our streets? You know, Devante, we, I, don't, I don't know that we want to say we don't want them to cooperate or that, they don't want, that we don't want them working together. It could be incidences where the collaboration could be in the best interest of individuals. So we don't say each and every time you do not collaborate, you do not cooperate. So that's why we are looking at these items on a case by case basis and how they're occurring. And then we're looking at the bigger, broader event over, let's say the next uh, week, the next two weeks, what is really happening with respect to what they're doing here. Are there, are there sting operations that are focused on people of color, for example? Are there really uh, instances where they are uh, focusing on the areas in the constitutional law, federal crimes, where they claim to be working? One of the things that we look at, particularly with, with respect to the census, we're looking at approximately $3,700 per person per year coming into this, to this state for purposes of things like healthcare, for purposes of making sure that our children are fed when they're in school, or even for purposes of making sure that we have uh, items that are 
looking at our redistricting, for example, which is hugely important this year. And it's all going to happen because of the census. So we don't have these people counting correctly, people within our state, our county, our cities, then those numbers are not going to be, are not going to accurately reflect the people that we need to be assisting throughout our entire communities. And if you're trying to scare them away because you're a federal officer allegedly here to fight violent crime, but you really aren't here for that purpose, then it's going to hurt our city. And we are already, in terms of the uh, financial resources that are available to us and where we stand in terms nationally, we're, we're not at the top of the list, meaning the state of New Mexico. And to take away more of the financial resources that would come to us would be hideously horrible to our citizens and the, and the work that we are there to do to help and protect them. Did any other panelists have anything else to add to that? Trump uh, made a comment recently that could easily be interpreted correctly as a matter of them and us. And the them and us he's talking about is uh, he's looking at democratic strongholds like Albuquerque, like New Mexico, uh, and other places where we are fortunate to um, to be led by members of the Democratic Party, uh, as far as our elected officials are concerned. And those are the cities that he's targeting. When we settle in on, on that reality, then the other goal uh, for, for Trump is to uh, create an atmosphere that could lend itself to voter suppression. If you make it uncomfortable, you make it uncertain, you make it fearful for people to come out in the streets, uh, those who would not be voting by mail, which we hope will be everybody. But if, if that doesn't happen uh, and people want to come to the, go to the polls and vote, if the streets are dangerous because provocateurs are out creating and inciting dangerous situations, uh, then voter suppression becomes a reality here. And so we have to remember that as well. Um, so the census is really an important piece uh, and, and voter suppression is, is certainly a, uh, an important piece. And as far as voting is concerned, it should create even more determination for us to get out and vote and make the changes at the top that need to happen. Absolutely, thank you, thank you. And another question, how could we distinguish unidentified federal troops from say, the New Mexico Civil Guard. What's the stop local uh, vigilantes from impersonating them? Uh, and this comes from Alan Pocket. I believe I recall reading the U.S. Attorney has promised that all these agents will be identifiable by their agency and their name, or like you know, like we say, our badge number when you get pulled over for speeding. Except in undercover operations. Well, undercover operations is when you're buying and selling drugs or whatever. So hopefully standing on the side of a protest isn't an undercover operation, but obviously they, they wouldn't be dressed like a cop or like a paramilitary person. The Civil Guard, the guys that showed up with automatic weapons at the protest, uh, the Oñate protest a couple weeks back, those guys, our local DA, Raul Torres, actually sued them uh, to prohibit them from doing that, from, from trying to pretend like they're cops, because you don't know... <laughs> by the way they're dressed, whether they're cops or not, by the way the feds dress and by the way these, these civil guard guys dress. So hopefully there will be no civil guard folks with automatic weapons. If there are paramilitary folks on the sidewalks, they will be identifiable by their markings. Uh, and we just have to hope that um, the leadership stays in touch with each other and trust each other. Uh, you know, the mayor and, and the electorate, frankly, has made it clear we stand by our immigrant community and that we cannot tolerate any uh, any abuse of our of our immigrants to increase their anxiety at, at work or at home or at school. So we just, we have to hold these federal agents to task to that you know that they're here to fight crime. Okay, that's awesome, uh, but they're not here to do Trump's bidding. Uh, and that's what's scary about the Department of Homeland Security, ICE, and and Border Patrol because those agencies are off the rails, and they're frankly loyal to Trump as an individual as opposed to loyal to the Constitution, and we just have to uh, be extra diligent with regards to those two agencies in particular. Uh, a question to you, Representative Mastis, is can Attorney General Hector Baldera sue the Trump administration or the Department of Justice, and how could that happen? 
Thank you. Obviously, he could if he, you know, if he feels there's a cause of action, as lawyers would say. If, if the uh, Attorney General of, of, of Oregon took D Department of Justice Secretary Barr to court, sued him in federal court to get federal folks out of the city of Portland. So yes, absolutely. By all means, the Attorney General of the State of Mexico could sue the, the federal government for any violation of law uh, he, that office deems appropriate. They kept their message really tight, and that's what Trump does. He they go all out and then they reel it back. They do all kinds of crazy and then they dial it back. So he went all out in Portland. They went all out. And if, and if the country hadn't resisted, there would be more of it. But we resisted, he dialed it back. And so the message is tight. They're only here for crime fighting initiatives, but he's bringing in Homeland Security, Border Patrol and ICE. What does that have to do with crime? So exactly, so the attorney general or whomever can sue the federal government, uh, the ACLU individuals, whomever, uh, but they didn't open that door just yet to a lawsuit, in my opinion. So, um, and just lastly, you know, this is a, it was just a tremendous political victory for Trump with regards to Democrats cannot govern themselves, cities of color cannot govern themselves. You know, the, the ridiculous blogs and, and right-wing video that, that there, all this crime and havoc is going on in Portland, that, that it, you know, Antifa's on every street corner. I mean, that stuff resonates with folks, believe it or not. And so... Yeah. So he's going all out. He's going all out. This is just part of his campaign narrative. Uh, we just have to be diligent to hold hold folks accountable. And, and I think with the leadership of our state, folks on this Zoom included, I, I think we can, but it's still a scary thing. We just have to stay in touch with each other. Thank you. And we're coming up on time, so we'll start to wrap it up. Uh, one question is uh, that I'll ask to Mr. Harvey and then open it up to the panel is, should people go to the protest? Well, thanks for asking that question. I think that um, it's, it's really up to individuals to decide whether they want to go to these, uh, attend these protests and participate. There's so many ways that we can let our, um, um, our feelings, our, our anger uh, be known. Um, and so there are going to be people who, who, want to, who want to protest. Let them go and let them protest. Uh, there are many other ways, however, writing letters, making phone calls uh, as other ways that we can uh, let our feelings be known. I, I hate to say it, but when these thugs arrive in town and we don't know, we, you know, I mean, many of them could, could end up being uh, individuals that are deputized uh, uh, from within our own ranks here in the city. It could be some of those civil guards that we've been having problems with. We just don't know who they are. But when they arrive in town, believe me, they're coming to town to look for trouble. We've already seen them do that. Portland is the model. And they're gonna be following those same kinds of instructions. They're gonna be following that same playbook wherever they go in any democratic city. So for me personally, you know, I would, would not be inclined to encourage people to participate in protests. Um, at the same time, I'm not going to suggest that people don't uh, participate in protests if that's what they feel they need to do. But there are many ways that we can protest, and I think we need to take advantage of all avenues. But if we're going to protest, let's make certain that we're safe. Let's make certain that we're nonviolent. Let's make certain that, uh, you know, our voices are heard. We get our points across you know, in a peaceful and nonviolent way. I applaud the people who are gonna be out there protesting and, um, you know, and I can support them in many ways. But I, like I said, I, I just think that this is, this is one of those situations where we need to be very careful. Absolutely, thank you. And with that, let's go to closing comments. Thank you again for our panelists and thank you everybody who has asked questions on this. I know that we have not, uh, gotten, there were a lot of questions. If you felt like your answers were uh, not discussed, I encourage you to reach out to the individuals on this call or myself uh, so that we can get your questions answered. Um, with that, let's have closing comments and we'll have uh, Ms. Pamela Herndon start off. The very fabric of our country is based upon the ability to have a First Amendment right to speak. And if I, we look at the at the, the teachings of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He says, when you see something wrong, then what you must do is you must be loud and you must be heard in a great manner. 
but always do it peacefully. So when you ask the question about whether or not there should continue to be protests, when we see something that isn't right, we should continue to protest. In the COVID-19 era that we're in right now, I highly encourage every single person to make sure you have your mask, even though you're outside and that you are socially distancing. And when you do that, you look like even twice the size that you already are. So I would say that always look for the uh, observers within the uh, protests who are there to keep an eye on the lawful and peaceful administration of a, of a protest. Remember, they're wearing green vests. And then also remember that there are attorneys that are there waiting and watching to look after you. But most importantly, we want to tell you, do not suppress your right to speak up, but know that we, that there are individuals in our country, in our city, in our states who are there to back and protect our social justice and civil rights. Thank you, thank you. Uh, Representative Maestas? No, Mr. Watson, thank you all for allowing me to, to be on this panel. Hope, hope everyone's doing well. Just everyone stay safe as we now are more comfortable visiting our family and friends. Just, you know, be diligent, remain safe. We'll, we'll overcome this. We definitely shall overcome. Um, and just get everybody out to vote in November and let's, uh, let's have our elected officials use their power and influence to, uh, to make this as transparent as possible. And hopefully the, the fears that we have won't culminate because of our work. We definitely, and not because of uh, the Trump administration, but because of our work. So stay safe and stay in touch. Thank you. Thank you. Attorney Jacobitz. Thank you again, Mr. Watson, for putting together this panel. I want to take a moment of my closing comments to echo something Representative Maestas said a moment ago. Although it is premature to take legal action right now against the Trump administration, as a reminder, the city is paying attention. The city is ready to respond and take swift legal action if the federal agents are here under different auspices than what we've been told. And um, Mr. Bell, I remember that was your comment. We are prepared to take action similar to what was taken in Portland. So yes, we are ready for that. Um, thank you all for allowing me to participate today. It has been a really wonderful conversation with this panel. If you have further questions that I can answer, I can be reached at 505-768-4595. Again, that's 505. 768-4595, and that's the number to the Office of Civil Rights at the City of Albuquerque. Thank you. Thank you. And last but not least, Mr. Jim Harvey. Thank you so much for this opportunity to join in this discussion today. And Devante, I appreciate your getting out in front in order to bring this important subject to uh, our communities. Um, it's really important. Uh, one of the things that, that I cannot overemphasize is that if you feel you must protest, if someone's inviting you into an action, make certain you know who they are, because we are gonna be surrounded by and infiltrated by provocateurs. And so we wanna make certain that we're going into safe, secure, and justified situations. And when I say justified situations, you know, just protesting in the presence of these federal officers is a justification all by itself. But how we do and what we do uh, what must be done is going to be critical. So we want to keep ourselves as safe as possible. Let's not lose sight of the fact that um, this is a democratically led city. This is a democratic stronghold. This is, an, uh, this is a critical election year, probably the most critical election year in modern history. And so much is dependent on what happens. And the provocative actions of these uh, federal officers uh, under the Trump administration has but one mission, and that is to do whatever they possibly can to create an environment, you know, of negative uh, photo ops, negative ads, and voter suppression. Uh, let's stand uh, together, let's be vigilant, and let's use our voice to protest in the, in the numerous ways that we have available to us to uh, voice our displeasure and to let people know that we are alert, aware, and that we stand against any of these things that are that uh, they're trying to uh, exact on us here in the city. Thanks again for this opportunity.
Devante, the only trouble we want, in the words of the late John Lewis, is good trouble. Good, good trouble. trouble. Amen. Good trouble. That's right. Good Protecting trouble. civil rights and social justice. Good trouble. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you again, all of the panelists. Thank you. And all of the questions and participants that have joined us to this afternoon. I also want to thank Nicole Rogers and the Wellstand Foundation, who has provided technical assistance in today's call, the Albuquerque Center for Peace and Justice, the Office of Civil Rights at the City of Albuquerque, and also KWH Law Center for Social justice and change. Just wanted to say thank you again for everybody. Uh, let's continue the momentum and I encourage everybody that is still listening to stay aware and uh, in the words of Childish Gambino, stay woke. Thank you all. As of this recording, Three arrests have been made in the city of Albuquerque that are linked to Operation Legend. The individuals have been arrested on their various charges and currently await sentencing. Thank you to all the panelists for this important insight into Operation Legend. Again, we would like to remind listeners to stay aware and vigilant. Download the ACLU New Mexico Mobile Justice app for your Apple or Android device. We hope you've enjoyed this hour of community action. We'd like to thank the panelists, Pamela Herndon, Representative Mo Maestas, Tori Jacobus, and Jim Harvey. Tonight's hour of radio was produced by Kateri Zuni and Roberta Rael. And thank you to the panel producers and organizers, Devonta Watson and Nicole Rogers. Thank you to all of our youth producers. We could not do what we do without you. Stay connected with us. Check out our website, generationjustice.org, where you can find all of our multimedia work and listen to our podcasts, which are also available on SoundCloud, Apple, and Google Podcasts. We're also active on social media, so make sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Generation Justice is funded by the WK Kellett Foundation with additional funding from the Conalma Health Foundation. And of course, all of you who have contributed to our project by visiting our website and clicking donate. Our opening song is Youth of the Nation by P.O.D. Our last song of the night is Defund the Police by Freddie Flopez. I'm Barbara Ramirez. Coming up on KUNM is Spoken Word, so stay tuned and join us next Sunday at 7 o'clock. Hasta la próxima, Nuevo México. Gotta put pressure, stop funding police, cuz, cuz, cuz they still don't give a damn.